Hi, I'm Amanda. And I'm Katie. And we're the founders of the Best Life Moms Club and hosts of That Pregnancy Podcast. We are two moms with a bunch of kids under the age of three. Five to be exact. And we know firsthand how hard it is to be a mom. So we're talking about all the topics that no one ever talked to us about. And not only is it hard being a mom, but it can be lonely and isolating, which is another reason why we're here to help moms like you know that you're not alone. Now, it's important to know that we are not doctors or medical professionals in any way. So always talk to your doctor or healthcare provider with any questions or concerns about your health or the health of your baby. We are moms sharing our lived experience and talking about all things pregnancy and life as a mom. So let's have a chat. Hello and welcome to That Pregnancy Podcast. This week, we're talking with another one of the ladies in our mommy mentorship program, Lesha, about having type 2 diabetes during pregnancy. It's a really interesting conversation as she talks about all the little things she had to do in order to stay safe for her and her baby. And let me tell you, there was so much work involved on her part. You might have noticed that over the last few months, we've started to feature some of the ladies in our mommy mentorship program. If you're wondering what the mommy mentorship program is, it's our low cost monthly membership that was designed to give you the support you need to feel confident as you transition into motherhood. We started this because we realized that new moms need a village. They need a lot of support. And who better to go on that journey with you than a group of moms going through the same stage of life? Some are a bit ahead, others a step behind, but it's moms supporting, encouraging, and cheering on other new moms. We have a private Facebook group where other new moms support you with your questions, expert masterclasses on a variety of topics, such as a sleep coach, a postnatal fitness coach, a couple therapist, and many more. We have monthly guides with information that you need to know each month, and Katie and I go live every Wednesday night to talk about the hard topics, and it's live so you can ask questions. We basically try to come up with the best way we can help you thrive in your motherhood journey. That's not to say that there won't be hard times because motherhood is hard, but at least during those hard times, you'll have women there to support you through our mommy mentorship program. We have purposely kept the cost low. One of the ladies in the group said she knew she had to join if it was $50 or less. And surprise, it is way, way lower than that. Right now, it's about the cost of two combos from your favorite fast food joint. So it's incredibly affordable and designed specifically for you. To sign up, head to mommymentorship.com. With that, here's our conversation with Lesha about having type 2 diabetes while pregnant. Why don't we start at the beginning? So you are type two diabetic, meaning that you were not born with diabetes. You were diagnosed at a later date. Like when were you diagnosed? So I was diagnosed in December of 2019. The circumstances around when I was diagnosed was kind of upsetting. It wasn't the best way to find out that I was diabetic. I actually went into the hospital because they believed I was having a miscarriage. I was only about four or five weeks pregnant at the time and I started bleeding. So I thought, oh, I better head in. 
And I went in and they did the blood work to confirm that I had lost the baby. And that's when they found out that my blood sugars were incredibly high. So they came into the emergency room and they told my husband and I that we had in fact lost the baby and that also on top of that, I was diabetic. So um, it wasn't an incredible shock, I can't say, because type two diabetes runs in my family. So it wasn't surprising in the sense that I ended up getting diabetes, but it was, of course, a lot to take in at one time, finding out that we had lost the pregnancy. And on top of that, I had this diagnosis that ended up being pretty life-changing for me. I'm so sorry for your loss. That's, you know, going in for a miscarriage is probably one of the worst experiences ever. And then on top of it, like you said, you get this life-changing diagnosis. Like that would have been so overwhelming. Yeah. I often think back about that baby that I lost and I can't help but think in a positive way that this baby really changed my life in the sense that I wasn't healthy and my lifestyle really drastically needed to change to become healthy. So I felt that the baby came into my life to help me with that realization and uh, to give me some strength and some motivation to make the changes that I needed to at the time. Uh, That's like a really reflective and like very positive like way to make lemons out of lemonade, right? Like to make a really terrible situation and turn it into something that you can be positive to. That's an amazing mindset. I can tell you that there were days when I definitely was not positive about it at all, but being able to reflect back on it now, a year and a half later, like it, it really did that, that loss really helped change my life. Wow. Um, so after you get the diagnosis at the hospital, Like what happened for you? I went home and I cried (laughs) for a very, very long time. It was actually a whirlwind. So the next morning, my husband and I, we stayed home from work. We didn't go into work, obviously, because we were still, we were grieving and we were dealing with everything that we had learned the night before. And my family doctor called me and she said she had gotten the report at the hospital and she is a an incredible doctor. And I'm so thankful to her and the team that she organized for me because she immediately got me in touch with an endocrinologist um, based here. And that team helped me learn basically how to be diabetic, what it meant to be diabetic, because I really honestly didn't know. Um, I remember crying to my husband a day or two after being diagnosed thinking, oh, I'm never going to eat pasta again. I'm never going to have mashed potatoes again. All of the like carb-based food that you think like you you can't eat or sugar or sweet treats. Um, so yeah, I <laughs> it, was, it was an emotional time for me definitely. But um, the doctor, she referred me to that endocrinologist and I saw her within a week or two and I, I met with the diabetic clinic and we got onto a treatment plan. So normally if you were diagnosed with diabetes, you would just kind of go on to an oral medication to help manage your diabetes. But um, because they knew with the situation of having the miscarriage when I was diagnosed, they knew obviously that we wanted to start a family and we wanted it to happen quickly. So what they told me was that... Um, 
I needed to get my blood sugars under control to a specific number, basically, so that we can start trying again. And uh, they gave me the tools that I needed to manage it and get on track with that. So what would you be willing to share? Like what type of tools you were given by the team? Yeah, sure. Um, So usually when you're diabetic, you just get an oral medication that you take usually once or twice a day. But when you are pregnant, is that insulin? No. So that's called metformin. There's lots of different types, but the one I was put on was metformin. I took metformin to get. Oh, really? Yeah. I was put on it after my miscarriage to try and get me pregnant. It didn't work. And then I went on to Clomid. Oh, I didn't know. Yeah. It didn't work work for me on either of those, but yeah, I recognized the name metformin and I knew that it was a diabetic oral medication. I did not know that it could be used for that. Yeah. It's quite often used with PCOS um, and infertility. Interesting. Okay. I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. So they also prescribed me insulin. They weren't expecting me to have to take like a large dose every day. It was just to get my blood sugars down quickly. So when I was diagnosed, my A1C, which is a blood test that they take And um, it checks your blood sugars, your average blood sugars over a three-month period. So my A1C was 11.9, I think, which is significantly high. And what they wanted um, my A1C to be in order to start trying to get pregnant was 6.0. So I had a long way to go. So they basically told me if everything goes well, I should be able to start trying in six months, but we had such a good team and they, they really provided me with a lot of information on how to carb count and like a specific diet that I needed to be on in order to get my blood sugars down. So in doing that, I was able to do it in three months. That's awesome. Wow. Yeah, it was a lot of change into my diet. So basically I would measure out every meal that I was having and I needed to do like mathematical equations to figure out how many carbs I was eating and make sure it wasn't going to send me over what I needed for that meal. And yeah, it was a lot of that. And luckily it worked really well for me. Well, but that's a testament to how hard you worked, right? Like you were the one who put the legwork and the hard work and the effort into making those changes and standing by them. So that's, yes, the team like really supported you, but that is a testament to how hard you worked. And again, it was a huge motivator for me, that pregnancy that I had lost, but not only that, knowing that I, I couldn't safely get pregnant without getting my blood sugars under control. So what I learned through this process is that when babies are around the four or five week mark, They um, are developing all of their major organs. And when you are diabetic and mom's blood sugar is really, really high, those vital organs just don't develop. And that's when you miscarry. So there's probably a lot of women out there that get pregnant and end up having a miscarriage and go in and find out they're diabetic, right? Because if, if the babies, if they're miscarrying and there's signs that they're miscarrying and then they go into the hospital... That's what they're going to, they're going to have the exact same situation that you had happen to them. 
Yeah, definitely could be. It makes me sad to think that that's how we have to find out sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, well, it's a, it's a very hard way to find out, right? Because like you said, not only are you getting the bad news that you're diabetic and things are going to change in your life, but you've lost your baby, right? So. so that would make sense as to why one of the biggest concerns or dangers being pregnant and type two diabetic, that one of the big risks and dangers is pregnancy loss, like a miscarriage. Because if you don't have your sugars under control, that's, that's where that can happen. Yeah. So for me, um, the first 12 weeks were terrifying. I mean, with any woman who has experienced a loss, those first couple of weeks are really difficult. But for me, I was so worried about my stress level because when you are stressed, your blood sugars increase and it could cause another loss. So I was just terrified that that would happen again. And luckily I had some fantastic doctors standing behind me and they were willing to put in notice to work that I needed to take a leave so that I could focus on making sure that the baby came into the world safely. So then how long after you got diagnosed did you end up being pregnant with your son? So uh, we were diagnosed in December of 2019. I say we because like my husband has been really along for this ride with me. Um, he, he has been so supportive with the diagnosis and everything that it does kind of feel like it was him too. But, um, I was diagnosed in December of 2019 and then we got pregnant the following July. Uh, so July of 2020. And I found out in August that I was expecting. Wow. So like seven months. Yeah. So it took us three months to, get my blood sugars under control to where the doctors gave us the green light. And then it took us about, we took a month off because we were still processing the loss and we didn't feel that we were quite ready to start trying again. And then um, three months later, that, that test came up positive. (laughs) Um, Okay. So once the test comes positive, Um, and you were, were you still under the care of your specialist team, like the endocrinologist? And so were you deemed high risk? Yes. So I was deemed high risk right from the get go. Um, and I was then told by my endocrinologist that I needed to get my blood sugars, like my A1C tested every month and that I would have monthly appointments with her. And also with the nutritionist that I was dealing with out of the um, diabetic clinic that's run at our hospital. So every month I, well, with COVID, we had phone call conversations, but I would call and they would check in. And um, one of the things that really helped me with managing my diabetes was that I was really fortunate enough to have a continuous glucose monitor. So it is a little sensor that gets inserted with a needle that goes under your skin and it gives a continuous check of your glucose levels. So I had this little transmitter that I'd walk around with in my pocket that would tell me my blood sugar at all times. So they would use the data that they got from my glucose monitor to kind of see how the patterns of my day were going and make sure that there weren't any adjustments that I needed to make to my diet and my lifestyle basically. And, um, 
yeah, then we would just talk about how things were progressing and making sure that we were on track all the time. One of the biggest concerns for me, especially um, through the first and second trimester was actually having blood sugar lows because um, I was taking insulin and I was really careful with my diet and exercising a ton. I frequently had lows and had risks of going low because um, the insulin and just as your body works through the day, it you can sometimes have crashes if you don't eat as soon as you're supposed to, things like that. Or if I exercised before a meal and hadn't had enough carbohydrates beforehand, I would have a low, which it's not a great feeling. You get like really shaky and sweaty and clammy and you feel kind of just not great. And if you're uh, not quick enough with it, getting like a snack into you, it, it can get to a dangerous situation. Like my doctor always told me that before I got into my car to drive, I needed to check my blood sugar because if I was under a specific limit and a cop happened to pull me over and found out that I was diabetic, I could be in a lot of trouble for driving with low blood sugars. Wow. That's interesting. You can essentially like you, your body reacts to your sugars being so low that um, you don't have the best control of your body, I guess. I've never, I've never gotten low enough to the point where that would have been a problem, but like where I guess you could get dizzy or pass out or something like that. I'm not really sure. So along with meeting with your dietitian and your endocrinologist and your team every month, which like you said, you said you kind of acknowledged that, you know, with COVID it was over the phone, but COVID in so many ways has like changed everybody's pregnancy experience and like the amount of care and the type of care that we get. Um, So that must've been really hard like not being able to like see people face to face and speak with them. Like when you're going through, like you said about after having a loss, you know, the fear associated with that, uh, like a the subsequent pregnancy after, and like just the worry and the fear and not being able to like see someone to like have them confirm. Yeah, you're doing great. Everything you need. Yeah. Like it was hard not seeing anyone face to face, but the team that I was working with, they were so incredibly encouraging and supportive that they, they really did take the time over the phone to tell me you are doing great. Like the baby's doing good and your numbers are excellent. And thank goodness for their constant support because yeah, I would have been so worried constantly about how things were going and how something like this might like my own personal health, how that would impact the baby. Along with your monthly blood test, was there any extra, like any extra tests that you had to have associated with your, your diabetes and being pregnant? So there wasn't any like additional tests that I was doing for the doctor per se, other than checking my um, blood sugars. So usually when you're diabetic, I think you have to check like once a day. It's usually in the morning, you check your, what's called your fasting blood sugar. So your blood sugar, right when you wake up in the morning, because it's different than when you're like awake and you're active. 
So um, instead of doing that, I was checking my blood sugars four times a day. So I was checking in the morning when I woke up and then I was checking an hour after every meal to see that I, what I was eating was keeping myself within um, the range that I was supposed to be in. So basically uh, the range that they wanted me at was what a person who lives without diabetes, what their blood sugar would be at, at all times, that's where they wanted me to be. So yeah, I would check an hour after. And if it was, um, if it was increased, we had to look at increasing my dose of insulin and throughout my pregnancy, I did really have to increase how much insulin I was taking every day. So I started out at about, I think it was 20 units in the morning that I was taking of insulin. And then by the end of my pregnancy, your placenta starts changing the effects that your insulin has on the body that you're taking and the hormones start affecting things. And by the end of my pregnancy, I think I was taking 60 units of insulin in the morning. And then I had to start taking what's called mealtime insulin at the same time. Yeah, it was really complicated. I basically, if I, I was supposed to eat 45 grams of carbs at each meal, but if I kind of wanted to indulge or have dessert or something like that, they had taught me how to calculate how much insulin to take based on how many grams of carbohydrates I was eating. So if I was going over that 45 grams of carbs, I had to increase it by one or two units. So I was having insulin in the morning and then I was having it with my breakfast and lunch and dinner. So wow. it was an all day affair. Wow. That sounds really complicated. It was. And having to remember when you are like in the throes of your pregnancy that you have to stop and you have to take insulin 15 minutes before you eat a meal. I can tell you that that is hard to do when you have baby brain going on. Yeah. Did you have like a notebook? or that you recorded everything? I was really on top of my numbers. So I was recording when I checked my numbers an hour after I ate, but then I also had that continuous glucose monitor that I was inputting, okay, I had this many carbs at this meal and I took this much insulin at this time so that when they looked at my data, when I had my monthly appointments, they could see how things were going and whether we needed to make adjustments. I can tell you that with a continuous glucose monitor, there's not much cheating that you can do in your diet because they will call you out on it. (laughs) (laughs) That would be really hard being pregnant. It was because those like late night ice cream cravings, they would hit and you're like, okay, I'm weighing. This is before I had the mealtime insulin when I could kind of cheat and get away with it but I was weighing my options of, okay, do I want to have that ice cream? How much trouble am I going to get in with my doctor if I have it? And how is it going to affect my sugars? So with, was there anything like particularly different, like with your OB? Cause you had your team supporting you, but your OB, were you at a high risk OB? Did you go with a midwife? What did you do with your pregnancy? So when I first went um, to my general practitioner, uh, she asked me whether I wanted to go with her or whether I wanted to go with an obstetrician. And I decided that I wanted to go with an OB. Um, 
just because I felt like they might maybe have a little bit more experience with dealing with diabetes um, and pregnancy. I know it's somewhat common for women to have gestational, but I wasn't sure on how common it was for women to have type 2 diabetes during pregnancy. So I wanted to go with an obstetrician that I was hoping would have a little bit more of a background with it. So I went to my obstetrician and I began going a little bit earlier than I think is the norm for most women. I think I had my first appointment at 22 weeks with him. So we met and we sat down and he told me the impacts of being diabetic and being pregnant and what kind of risk factors are associated with that. And, uh, We talked about the plan and how that would differ from just a normal pregnancy. And we kind of got on the same grounds with what could possibly happen with the pregnancy and where we would need to go with it. Okay. So what were, what were the risks that he told you about being pregnant and diabetic? So there are the risks obviously of miscarrying, but that was a concern earlier on. But um, when you are diabetic, there is a higher chance that you will need to be induced. And there's also a higher chance that you will need to have a C-section, both of which I had. Okay. Um, <laughs> with the you know risk of C-section, does it have anything to do with like the size of the baby or the risk to like the growth of the baby as a result of the diabetes? Yeah, so um, it is quite common for women with diabetes to have babies who are on the larger side. Um, And that was a concern for my pregnancy. They were monitoring the size of my son every week. I went for a biophysical ultrasound from 32 weeks on just to, um, they checked his size, um, his range of movement and how much he was moving. They checked my amniotic fluid And they did a, they were also checking to make sure he was breathing and practicing breathing in utero. Um, So they were doing that to keep an eye on his size so that we, we weren't concerned about getting a too big of a baby, but we did have to have several conversations at the end of my pregnancy about the size of the baby. If it was going, if he was going to be on the larger size, if he was going to be close to 10 pounds, whether we would have to do a C-section right from the get-go or whether I would be able to deliver him vaginally. Oh my God, a 10 pound baby. Yeah, they thought he was going to be 10 pounds. He didn't end up being anywhere close to 10 pounds, but I was terrified at that point. (laughs) Um, You mentioned the amniotic fluid. So I think that's part of the risk associated with diabetes and pregnancy is that there's a risk of increased amniotic fluid. Yeah, I believe you're right with that. Um, Right near the end of my pregnancy, I want to say I was 38 weeks, maybe 37 weeks. I went for my biophysical ultrasound and I did have a higher level of amniotic fluid. So they ended up sending me for a non-stress test in uh, the labor and delivery ward and they gave me the all clear, but I can tell you a a non-stress test is anything but non-stress it's incredibly stressful um okay so let's talk about that so you mentioned a biophysical ultrasound what is a biophysical ultrasound so a biophysical ultrasound um they were sending me for them uh starting at 32 weeks every single week at the hospital i would go for the ultrasound and they checked um to see how much my baby was moving um they checked my amniotic fluid level they also checked the size of the baby 
and whether my baby was breathing. So they would check for that every week. And they also tested the heart rate um, just to make sure everything was okay. They wanted to make sure my baby wasn't getting too big um, because then we would have concerns about doing a C-section and we would have to change our birth plan. And then you mentioned that you were sent for non-stress tests and it being stressful. What does a non-stress test entail? So when you get into the labor and delivery room, they come and they check you out and they hook you up to, I don't know what type of machine, but it's a machine that checks your heart, the baby's heart rate. And uh, they'll test it for about 20 minutes and you just kind of sit there and hope that your baby's heart rate calms down. In my case, it was because my son was incredibly active in utero. And one of the times that I went for a non-stress test, it was just because his heart rate was elevated because during the ultrasound, he was literally kicking the Doppler off of my belly while they were doing it and checking his heart rate. And my obstetrician always said to me that he was a happy boy with a girl's heart rate because his heart rate was always super high. But he was like, the more active your baby is, just like when you work out, your heart rate increases, your baby's heart rate increases too. And had they have said to me when they were sending me to labor and delivery that it was a non-stress test because his heart rate was high, I would have been a lot calmer because I would have realized that he was just being very active in there. And that's the reason why I was going, not thinking that something was wrong and that I was potentially having my baby that day. So they didn't tell you anything when you got sent? No, they have um, rules that they're not allowed to tell you the, the lab technician that does your ultrasound, they're not allowed to tell you why they're sending you over. They just say that your baby didn't score a perfect eight out of eight on their biophysical exam. So you have to go for more testing. So that must be so scary. It wasn't fun. It happened to me twice. And I can tell you it was a very stressful day with COVID. My husband couldn't be with me So he was at work and I'm sending him text messages telling him that I'm being sent to labor and delivery. And we had to make decisions around, okay, does he have to leave work? He works 45 minutes away from the hospital that we were going to and that I was at at the time. So we had to worry about, okay, if it is go time, what do we do? Because we want to obviously make sure he's there for the birth. Did you and your husband decide that he should come home? We ended up finding out relatively quickly and that it was not anything to be concerned about both times that I had the non-stress test. We found out within 20, 25 minutes that they were going to be sending me home. So it wasn't anything that we needed to be concerned about, but we definitely had a plan in place because we have pets at home and bags that weren't packed in the car and car seats that weren't ready. But we knew that if we had to the trigger and he had to come home from work. Luckily, um, his boss was really good about giving him that kind of freedom to up and leave if he needed to so that he could get to the hospital in time if that was the situation that we were in. It's interesting for me because some of the stuff that you had to do, I had to do too, right? With twins. Oh yeah. I went and saw my OB earlier. Um, I was going for ultrasounds all the time. Uh, I don't don't think like they weren't necessarily testing the heart rates they were just making sure every well and maybe they were and I didn't realize it 
but uh, there wasn't like a number that I had to reach. They were just making sure that the babies were growing properly because like with twins, you can have twin to twin transfusion where one's growing and the other one's not. So that's what I always thought they were checking for. Maybe they were checking for more, more things that I didn't realize. But yeah, very similar in that regard. Well, it's interesting too, because like with my risk of premature going premature, I also see my OB at 20. I start seeing him at 20 weeks and I go for more ultrasounds um, in second and third trimester. I don't go for more blood tests and I don't go, I don't go for um, stress tests or anything, but I go for more ultrasounds, especially when I'm, because I have the tendency of um, having contractions and like borderline Braxton Hicks contraction, like Braxton Hicks and contractions, like trying, I go for more ultrasounds just to kind of gauge. That actually does bring me to another question was, were you on any special medication throughout your pregnancy um, beyond like the insulin? I just know like, I had to take, I take um, progesterone starting at 20 weeks to try and hold the pregnancy so that I avoid, I should try and lengthen my pregnancies so I don't go early. Did you have any type of extra medication that you had to take or were you just kind of taking your regular medication, your prenatal vitamin? Um, yeah, I was just taking um, the metformin and the insulin and then gradually we introduced the mealtime insulin that was later in the third trimester, but outside of that, that was all I was taking. And um, the insulin and the mealtime insulin, they were something that were removed immediately before my birth. Um, so right before I went into the hospital to be induced, I was told by my OB that I needed to stop my insulin because um, they knew that in labor, you can't eat and well, because I have that risk of having a low blood sugar, they needed to take out the insulin that was in my system and give me two or three days without it so that they knew that it wouldn't impact um, my blood sugars level because it could make me go dramatically low, not eating. So it was something that they needed to consider beforehand was that what at what point do we stop it so that it wouldn't impact my labor and delivery. That's interesting. So they wanted to almost acclimate you with to not be on your insulin prior to delivering. One of the things that happened was I stopped my insulin because um, when they remove your placenta, when you deliver it, or whether you have a C-section, when they take it out, the hormones that were causing your insulin to go out of whack, those are no longer there. So if you were on insulin, your blood sugars would crash even further. So they want to make sure that the insulin that you're taking ahead of time has enough time to work its way out of your system so that they're not putting an increased risk on you that your blood sugars are going to crash right after delivery. Wow. That's super interesting. And so looking past my pregnancy, now I'm not taking any insulin. I'm just managing my diabetes with metformin because it's not something that I needed um, outside of pregnancy. They were only having me use it during pregnancy because there are some debates um, with taking metformin past the 12 week mark in your pregnancy. Sometimes they, they were doing some research at the time that I was pregnant and a, a study came out right after I had hit the 12 week mark 
that said it was safe to take metformin past 12 weeks, but there was some concern that um, taking metformin past that point would make for an even larger child later on in life. So they were doing studies to see whether that was something that would have an effect with women with type 2 diabetes, was following the child throughout their life, whether they were more likely to be an obese child or an obese adult. So we stopped the metformin at the 12-week mark, and we were just using insulin throughout the rest of my pregnancy. But we did find out that it doesn't necessarily lead to children who are overweight, but it was something that we were concerned about. But being on insulin while you're pregnant does increase your risk of being induced and also your risk of having a C-section. So we had to really sit down and weigh our options at the time um, because we didn't know the effects that metformin would have on the baby while he was in utero. Um, Something that my husband felt really strongly about was that because we didn't know whether there was going to be a concern of it getting through the placenta and getting to my son, that we didn't want to take the risk that was associated with the drug at the time. So we stuck with just the plan of treating it with insulin, knowing going into it that it just increased my risk of being induced and also having a C-section. And that's a conversation that each individual couple or person has to like really reflect on themselves in those types of situations, right? And make the best choice for them. Absolutely. And once, like I said, once we got past the 12 week mark, my endocrinologist did come to me with that um, study that was done saying that, no, it is safe um, for moms with type two diabetes to take it throughout their entire pregnancy. But at that time we had already made the decision. We were already working on my plan um, of diabetes management using my insulin. So at that point, we just thought we would continue with the route that we had chose, but It's um, definitely a conversation that couples would need to have to decide um, how they feel about that. There is a concern about the size of the baby and like their if shoulders will fit through the the birth canal. I think that's a genuine fear of uh, or concern with regards to um, also gestational diabetes baby like gestational diabetes deliveries as well as type 2 diabetic deliveries because of the size and whether or not shoulders will fit or get lodged because there is permanent there's risk of permanent damage to the collarbone and shoulder I believe yeah that now that you say that that's absolutely what my obstetrician told me was that there was a higher risk of the baby getting stuck um, and causing damage to his shoulders. So if he was going to be on the larger side, um, I think he said it was a 4% chance of that happening, but it still is a risk that we had to consider. I have to say, Leisha, like you've done such an amazing job with this because I have no more questions on my list of questions. Like you have covered every topic, every list, like every question that I had it is just like so interesting because I I think in this podcast we talk about a lot of different topics that maybe or honestly about topics that women don't normally talk about or women here don't hear about in the world of pregnancy and motherhood and type 2 diabetes is not something that I commonly hear in discussion circles about motherhood and about pregnancy so I found this extremely interesting and like your journey and everything that you've gone through is just amazing 
and just like, thank you so much for sharing your experience and all your information. And it was a really, really interesting conversation. So thank you so much for sharing your experience with us. Well, thank you for having me. And I hope that if there's anyone out there that are listening and have type two diabetes, they can know going into pregnancy or pregnancy planning that it is possible because that's something that can be a concern for some women that this will cause them to have problems. And I just wanted to share my story so that people knew that it is possible. You can have a happy and healthy baby and be diabetic. Thank you for listening to this episode of That Pregnancy Podcast. If you have any questions, comments, or ideas for an upcoming show, we would love to hear from you. You can connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. We are at Best Life Moms Club. Until next time.